and welcome to Let It Be, a podcast about less doing and more being. This is episode 53. So, Brooke, I'd like to kick off today with a little story. Um, at the story. <laughs> <laughs> so at the start of January, I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed. So, and I knew the first half of this year was going to be a bit crazy because you know it was school holidays at, in January, and Mia was starting school, and there were new things going on at work, and we had a trip to the Philippines in March, and I was speaking at a conference in April, and then running a marathon in May. <laughs> <clears throat> no idea why you feel like you could, there was potential for overwhelm. <laughs> So, so what I did, you know, was I just sat down and I mapped out that first six months of the year and, and I think like I didn't need to come to conclusion, like I already knew it, but it was good to have a visual representation of the fact that I couldn't take on any more new stuff in that first half of the year because otherwise I'd be a bit stuffed, which I thought was very good adulting mm-hmm. on my behalf. But then, you know, as life does it took my sensible adulting and it kicked it out the window because a week later a key staff member at Swish um, which is my business with my husband he resigned to go be a teacher so that was great and we found a replacement really quickly but the the new guy couldn't start for like three weeks after the old guy finished so we had this like so we were going to be a man down at work for three weeks at the same time, like last year, I took over the running of our junior footy club's website, the junior footy club that my son did play for, but has just told me he's not going to play for this year. <laughs> <laughs> so, and like Screw when I was going over, in your law. <laughs> yeah, I just want to kill him. <laughs> and so, and what I'd done is I'd said to them, look, look, the current website, I just need to redo it because for me to make changes to a website that someone else built, is quite difficult but if I rebuild it then I'll be able to do everything really really quickly and I should have redone it at the end of last year but last year was so crazy that when it kind of got to December and I got a bit of downtime I was like you know what I'm just going to have a bit of downtime and recharge before tackling all these other non-urgent you know, non jobs. But then, of course, that job becomes a bit more urgent in January when they're about to do registrations in February. So I had to do that. And then, as I was telling you off air last week, um, as part of research for my next book, which is Overthinkers Anonymous, I'm undertaking a course of study. And I had the choice between like a, a kind of a weekend thing in May or an eight-week online course now. <laughs> and I was like, I can't wait till May. I need, this is crucial information I need for the book and I don't want to wait till May. So it was like, now. <laughs> so all this to say that all of this has been going on at the same time as I'm trying to do all my normal work and podcasting and running our household. And I will be quite frank that the last three weeks have been absolutely absurdly insane but I didn't feel particularly overwhelmed until last Wednesday when I had like this really neatly structured to-do list as I want to do when I'm you know feeling potential for overwhelm like I sit down and I map out my day like you know between 4 30 and 5 30 I'm going to do this so so I don't have to think about what's next because a lot of overwhelm is I don't know what comes next Mm -hmm. so I 
so I was I had mapped it all out and then what did I do instead of doing any of the things on my carefully mapped out to-do list I reorganized the desktop on my computer (laughs) (laughs) and that is when I knew that I'd gone over the edge so I guess all all this long story to say or to ask is what absurd thing do you do that tells you you have tipped over into overwhelm. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, just so that everyone knows, clearly today's episode is about overwhelm. It, it is indeed overwhelm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm similar. I, I love a good self-sabotage if I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> I really do. I'm like, you know what needs doing? I need to prune all of the citrus trees in our backyard. That is vitally important. Oh, and while I'm here, everything else needs to be weeded and I probably should mulch and everything, of course, needs to be fed. <laughs> anything at all pleasurable to get out of doing what it is that I absolutely need to do. So I know that if I do things like that, when I actually don't have time, because there's nothing wrong with gardening. I mean, I love it. It's really good stress relief. But when I have a lot going on and I find myself doing things like that, it's quite a clear uh, signal <laughs> that I'm avoiding things. <laughs> I love that actually. That is perfectly said because I was like, why am I reorganizing my desktop? But it is exactly that. It is self sabotage. <laughs> it's like, doesn't matter how well you know, how much you know you, exactly what needs to be done. I think that's a really good tipping point is when you tip over into that self sabotaging behavior, that's when you know that you've crossed a line mm. or or gone over a significant edge. And it's also when I stop doing things that I know work really well Mm. for me in just maintaining a really nice balance, you know, things like getting decent sleep and eating decent food and avoiding excessive social media and, uh, you know, not getting on my Mm. phone in the morning, all those things. They're tiny little habits that I've worked on over the past few years that I know work really well for me in just managing life and keeping me centered and grounded and and content when they start to slip I know that there's something amiss as well and I found myself really overwhelmed uh, on boxing day actually of this year just gone really just horribly overwhelmed and anxiety riddled to a point I've never I haven't felt like that in probably two or three years the difference is it lasted like an hour (laughs) it didn't last a year like it used to but I found myself sitting on my bed just completely unable to move or think or, you know, I, I, it was awful. It was really paralyzing. And, I mean, the difference is now that I can recognize that, figure out that that's what's going on and do things to, to kind of calm me down in the moment and then move forward and look after myself, uh, you know, but it, it, like it, does still, it does still happen. I still hit those points of overwhelm and it's usually when all of those things start to combine with, bad timing or you know unfortunate timing maybe I should say where like you said everything all, all happens at once and you know you might get a deadline or a new job or someone quits and something else happens and someone gets sick and on top of your life that starts to amount to overwhelm and then the, the other side of it is when I overcommit to things sometimes willfully sometimes not and yeah. it's usually a combination of those those things that kind of tip me into overwhelm and that's when I find myself doing things like you know not going to bed when I should or staying in bed later than I should in the morning or not meditating or not eating well and 
you know, it just builds and builds and builds. And then I find myself gardening at midday on a Tuesday because <laughs> I don't want to deal with the reality of my life. And it's so easy to justify when you do that because you're like, I'm doing this because I just need to create some mental space. Like that's what I told myself when I was reorganizing my desktop. I'm like, look, this has clearly been bothering me for a while and it's stopping me from being as efficient as I could be. So it's really important that I reorganize my desktop because then I'll be able to get through this to-do list I've got much faster. And it's, so we, we kind of start justifying these self-sabotaging behaviors that we do because it, it's easy to do. Like it's easy to just, because we're, we're not like going off drinking and smoking on a bender on a weekend. Like that's obvious self-sabotage, but tidying or, yeah. or doing something that looks very functional isn't as obviously self-sabotaging. No, that's right. So it's harder to recognize. Yeah, exactly. And I think because it's really, you, you look at it like that's not a bad thing to be doing at all. You know, it's, it's, it's just not right now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just, it's just, and it's surprising. Oh, okay. So just to, um, because we can jump all over the place with this, this one. And I did want to take a slightly more structured approach today just because we've got, um, I did ask in our Facebook group, like the problems that people were having or, you know, the thoughts or questions that they had about overwhelm. And it did kind of fall into a few different categories. So the first thing I did want to have a quick touch on was, on which you have already touched on, was how do we even get overwhelmed in the first place? And I do definitely think there are two separate categories of overwhelm. There's the the self-inflicted and then there's life being life. Yeah. And there's just some things you just like, you know, so... I would like to think that a lot of the stuff that's happened in the last month is just I was quite on top of everything. So I had a lot on, but I was quite over, across all of it. And then life just threw a few things at me that meant, well, okay, now here I am. Mm. So the the self-inflicted stuff is, as you say, it's, it's overcommitting and overscheduling. And it comes from, usually I find for the people who are listening to this podcast, it's either people-pleasing or it's the the driven achievement oriented mm. i've got to keep up with with what everyone else is doing otherwise i'm falling behind mm-hmm. kind of mindset yeah for me i just sum that up for me as being ego yeah like, you know i'm saying i'm saying yes i'm overcommitting i'm i refuse to tell anyone that actually i'm too busy or you know i don't i don't ever want to admit that so when i find myself becoming overwhelmed as a result of those choices it's just ego and that's highly uncomfortable to admit <laughs> that's that's why yeah I, I'd find myself you know kind of engaged in that self-inflicted overwhelm and then as you say the other side is is life and it, it just happens and I think one of the I mean listening to what you were talking about you did everything you could do in order to stay on top of things. And up until very recently, you had been. Like, I mean, yes, you'd said yes to a lot of things and, and like when they all kind of come together at once, you're like, man, really? Really? You're going to just <laughs> yeah. spread it out over a month? <laughs> but, like, that just that just happens. And I think having coping mechanisms in place, like you do, uh, means that even if you do spend half an hour or an hour or three hours in the garden or in your email inbox or clearing up your desktop, it's not going to, it's not going to beat you. You know, you're not going to then spiral. I think sometimes it's like, it's okay. (laughs) It's honestly okay to get to that point. I I know that's it. It's an acceptance of the, of life 
as it is, isn't it? Because yeah, both Carly and Penelope in the group, they both kind of mentioned that like, like, you know, I think we're all pretty good at recognizing that self-inflicted overwhelm of, yep, I've just said yes to way too many yeah. things or yep, I'm saying yes to people I shouldn't be saying yes to because I just want them to like me yes. and maybe I need to reconsider my my decisions there. But Carly and Penelope both came from different directions, but they were both talking about, you know, the unavoidable overwhelm or, you know, so Carly has spoken about like this particular time of year with kids starting school and she mentioned crossover of summer winter activities for her kids and she has a role in one of their sporting clubs. So she was saying, "How love to hear how you deal with unavoidable overwhelm. And Penelope was saying one of her biggest points of overwhelm in her life is that she has a child with special needs. So she often starts to feel completely overwhelmed in the situation with him. And I really like her method for coping with it because it's quite like, because this would prop up for her all the time mm. because it's not something she can manage out of her life. Like when you have a child with special needs, things just happen that you need to deal with that you can't predict or stop from happening effectively mm -hmm. so and she said quite often she'll find herself on um you know thinking i'm not going to be able to keep doing this and she said when she takes a step back from that overwhelm in that in that moment she can see the real problem is her thoughts are focusing on the future too much so yeah. she's like i'm exhausted i'll never be able to sustain this level of care and yeah she's identified that whenever she gets that feeling of overwhelm it's all related to the future of how can i keep on going with this so what she does is in those moments she just makes the conscious effort to remind herself that she only has to deal with this present moment and nothing else and she says she feels herself calming down and dealing with just that moment and then the overwhelm starts to dissipate so yeah, she, I really, yeah, I wanted to highlight that comment from her where she was saying that, you know, so often we focus on the self-inflicted overwhelm and all our solutions and strategies are built around removing that self-inflicted overwhelm. And she just wanted to remind everyone that there is that unavoidable life overwhelm that just happens and is a reality for so many people's lives. And in those situations... Yeah, living in the future and wondering how you're going to keep doing this and wondering, you know, what the future holds for this present situation is not useful and just bringing it back to the moment is quite often and reminding yourself that you, you know, I always come back to that Eckhart Tolle power of um, now kind of thing that really resonated with me when I first read it. He said, you can always deal with now, mm. with the now. And I think I saw somewhere else someone mention the fact that all of our track record for dealing with the now is 100% because yeah. we're all here. We're yeah. all still here. And while people quite often remind me that, you know, that it can quite often translate to coping and you don't want to cope your way through life. And I do agree with that. I still agree with Penelope that in that moment of extreme overwhelm and, oh, my God, I just how am I going to do all this stuff that I need to do? bringing it back to the moment and going, I just have to deal with the right here, right now, just do one thing and do the next thing. And that your track record for doing so is perfect in a life where nothing else is perfect. I think that's quite empowering. Oh, I agree 100%. I think it's one of the best pieces of advice you can take to anyone who's feeling overwhelmed 
is because I mean honestly for me that's the vast majority of times that I feel overwhelmed is when yes there's a lot on my plate and yes sometimes that is not by design or it's just a confluence of things all just happening at an inopportune moment mm-hmm. but the actual feeling of overwhelm that sweaty breath kind of catching in my throat feeling of oh my god how am I going to deal with this comes from thinking too far ahead that's yes. actually what overwhelm is for me it's just yeah. thinking too far ahead in its simplest terms. And yes, there are things that we can do sometimes to minimize those extra things, you know, start being mindful about what we say yes and no to, start managing some of that overwhelm out of our lives. But like Penelope said, and like you said, there are so many times where that's actually not possible. You know, life just happens. We have complications. We have maybe, you know, aging parents, someone else mentioned in one of their posts, we have an emergency at work or any any number of things can come up and cause us to become busier or fuller or whatever than, than we want. And I think what we manage what we can, but what we can't change, we deal with in that capacity, which is one step at a time. So instead of focusing a week down the track or instead of focusing to tomorrow when you feel mm-hmm. like you know, the day ahead of you is looming and you don't know where to begin, just pick one thing and move forward on it because then from there you can choose another thing and move forward. You can just take one step, deal with that moment, take another step, deal with that moment. And, yes, you don't want that to be the new normal, but when you're in those periods of complete and utter overwhelm, sometimes that's all you can do in order to not kind of give in to the anxiety or give in to that feeling is to just deal with the now, then deal with the now, then deal with the now. And then once things ease up a little bit or there's a a break or a a moment, you can do things to kind of bring a little bit of space back into your head and into your day. Do you find, and this is something that's just occurred to me because I'm just coming off the, the back of quite an emotionally taxing year, do you find that when there's an emotional element to the overwhelm, it's so much harder to, it just makes everything seem so much harder than it actually is. Yeah. Like when there's, you know, people's feelings or you're trying to manage people's feelings, like say, you know, as an example, you know, your kid may not like going to daycare. And if it's just, you know, if the daily battle of that might be overwhelming, but if you're also having to counsel them through why they need to go to daycare every day and manage these feelings and emotions that they have around it then all of a sudden it becomes a whole like next level thing yeah I think so I mean there's there's time overwhelm and even headspace overwhelm but then there's that emotional overwhelm too and I think that's where the like that paralysis feeling can come into it and the utter exhaustion too particularly if it's not just a one-off thing like you say if it's a day in day out thing that's happening and it's really draining your you know your your resources that that that's much harder to bounce back from or to to ward off I think particularly if you just have to deal with it you know yeah I agree there is there is definitely a difference I mean I think there's still things that we can do to yeah to but the strategies are different aren't they because yeah because I always think like okay if someone comes to me and they're like completely over I don't know where to start with I'm like right well you've got to prioritize because it's almost like if you you're in hospital you end up in hospital tomorrow what's the priorities what are the things that you have to most take care of it's very very easy to prioritize in that situation 
Mm. But when we're not incapacitated or in hospital, we still think we can do everything. So, you know, in, in those situations, I always say to people to come back to priorities and come back to values and, you know, just check in with those. And, and you know, and if you can make a list of what's, you know, what's most important to least important and then literally lop off the bottom, yeah. at, you know, five to ten things, then bang, you're already a lot more in control of the situation. But when we're talking emotional overwhelm, which as you said, that's where that real feeling of complete exhaustion comes from. And I think like the reason I want to kind of touch on this particularly is because I saw, I wrote an article about it at the end of last year, a blog post about a blog post about it at the end of last year, because at the end of the year, like everyone was feeling so burnt out and they were like why am I feeling so burnt out yes it's a very very busy time of year but no busier than any other time of the year almost and I was like you know why it's the emotional exhaustion because everyone's a bit frayed so every interaction you're having be it with your kids who are all knackered because it's the end of the school year or other parents who they're more knackered because they're dealing with kids who are more knackered from the end of the school year or you know, someone driving on the street, you cut them off and they're so much more angry at you because everybody's on this knife edge of emotional exhaustion. It just makes everything so much harder to deal with. So I'd love to just touch on maybe how both of us manage that emotional exhaustion. Because I do think that if we can tackle the emotional exhaustion side of things, then makes it easier to then prioritize and check in with our values and control the controllables, which are the other, which are kind of, I guess, the more structural or mechanical ways of dealing with overwhelm. Yeah, I mean, I think they, they really do play into each other. The example that you gave, you know, at the end of the year when everyone's just, you know, <laughs> knife edge kind of, I'm going to lose it. Um, <laughs> and I think that's partly because we are overcommitted at that time of year. There's social catch-ups and work deadlines and all these things. So there's less buffer for us yes. to expand within before we start to explode, you know, before before those those simmering kind of tensions make themselves known because we've got less space and less buffer and less margin in which to operate. And I think that's that's probably one of the, the biggest issues with being too busy and too committed, not in an emotional sense, but in time and, you know, in, in those those kind of expectations. We then don't necessarily have the buffer to to deal with and manage you know the emotional stuff because it takes more time and more space and just by virtue of the fact that it's an emotional thing usually it's more important to us than going to Bob's you know barbecue on the weekend (laughs) but Bob's barbecue on the weekend might have been the thing that tipped us over that point so that now we're yelling at our kids or now we're having an argument with our partner because we just we just don't have enough space so I do think that they they really do tie in together and and it's quite like an integrated relationship between the two of them and for me it's partly just a first of all recognizing that that's where I'm at like I'm overwhelmed I don't have the margin that I want yeah and I'm snapping or I'm crying or things are affecting me (laughs) that that they don't normally affect me Uh, so recognizing that first of all and then thinking okay what can I change what am I worrying about specifically can I do anything about it yes or no and if I can do something about it, then do something about it. And if I can't, or I'm choosing not to do anything about it, you know, be it 10 social events on the weekend or whatever, but I'm choosing to go to them, then just accept it and accept that that is going to mean that there's a maybe a shortage of emotional bandwidth for that weekend. What can I do to deal with that? Okay, go to bed earlier, 
eat better food, drink more water, maybe meditate for five minutes every day, go for a walk and, and kind of try and like, don't get me wrong. That sounds like I just gave people a huge list of things to do when they're like, <laughs> that's not going to help. But it's about, but they do, they do help. Do you they know what really it is? Do. It's self care and people cringe a little bit at that term self care or self compassion, but they shouldn't because, and, and maybe we just, you just call it whatever you want, but it's just providing a tiny so it's a time where you've got no buffer at all as you've said there's no mental buffer there's no physical buffer and certainly no emotional buffer and you're all you're doing is just creating a tiny little bit of it and like probably one of the things I do in that situation like when I'm you know when I find myself crying over a broken toaster I know (laughs) I know my emotional bandwidth is tapped because and which I was at the end of last year. The toaster broke and that was it for me. I was just bawling in the kitchen and everybody in my family was just like, Mom, what happened? And I'm like, the toaster broke and now I'm going to have to go and take it back to the shops and I'm going to have to find the warranty card and the receipt first and when am I going to do it? And, <laughs> and of course, everyone just backs away slowly. <laughs> <laughs> when, but you know what i think it's important to have that kind of public meltdown within your house yes. because everyone goes whoa what's happening and then it, it opens up the conversation because at that stage i do kind of gather the family around and go look i'm really emotionally tapped right now so i'm gonna need you guys to solve your own problems just for a day and I kind of like take a, a bit of a mental vacation. So mm-hmm. like we're not, cause we, all of us are the person in our house. It's like, where are my shoes? What are we having for breakfast? Where's the towel? What are we doing today? And I find that all those, like I can get to nine o'clock in the morning and I have answered 50 questions yeah. already. And that's fine because that's my role in this household. But yeah, when I hit that point of a complete emotional breakdown, Uh, that's when I say to everyone, like I say to my husband, I'm going to need you to be, you know, I say to my kids, if you have a question, you've got to go ask dad first. And then if dad doesn't know the answer, then come to me. And I'll say to my husband, you damn well know the answer to those questions. And if you don't, figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, yeah, (laughs) yes. Pretend I'm not here. What would you guys do? And I just ask for that like kind of mental break for a day. And I do find that usually if I've just had that mental break for a day, it does make all the difference. And, you know, for people in that situation where they're, they're a carer for somebody Mm -hmm. else, they do need to draw on whatever, whatever respite is at their disposal they need to be able to reach out and ask for that because I do think that when you're a carer it's very easy to fall in that role of this is my role and this is what I do and if I'm not doing it then I'm not doing my job but it's like you need respite as much as the next person does you need respite as much as I do from you know the 50 questions I've answered by 9am but I do think a lot of the time carers do find it more difficult to seek that respite because mm. for what you know I, I'm not sure about the mindset behind it but I do see it a lot mm. yeah and I think I mean it doesn't even need to be a, a, a full day or anything like that like we were talking I mean of course if you can get that just a, a, an opportunity to 
relieve a little bit of the pressure and not answer the questions or not, you know, turn up to the meeting or whatever it is, mm. then by all means do that and just give yourself that breathing room. But what other things can people do that are they, they, they require only a small pocket of time that can help you get through those periods of overwhelm or give you that clarity to then say, okay, these things are causing my overwhelm. I can change these ones. I can't change these ones. Let's move forward. Like what, what things can people do? I think it's always control. Like when we're overwhelmed, we feel out of control. So any tiny little thing that we can do to feel like we have got some semblance of control is good and quite often it's not a bad thing or a good thing it's just the thing that people do but quite often people outsource things to the universe or they outsource things to religion or Mm -hmm. and in situations like that I'm all on board for it because while it might seem like when you get so overwhelmed or you're overwhelmed by financial difficulties or overwhelmed by life is just throwing way too much shit at you at one stage or another like while I'm very pragmatic and I'm like it is what it is it's taken me a long time to get to this point in the past I felt that I found that going you know what I'm just going to put everything in the hands of the universe now right now and and that is actually a way of saying it is what it is but you are kind of outsourcing it to the universe you're like you know what universe or fate or whatever, like whatever happens from now on, I can't affect anymore. It's up to you. And that is a form of gaining control over the situation. Mm -hmm. As much as it might seem like you're outsourcing it, you're actually giving yourself some level of control. So what what it is, is we all have to find some way of giving us an illusion of control over the situation and just having that illusion of control is usually just enough buffer to get us through to like the next hour or the next day or even the next moment. Mm. So just an an acceptance that sometimes it simply is what it is. Yeah, I mean that's the ideal. If we can reach acceptance that this is what it is, that's brilliant and that's somewhere I've gotten to but it's taken me like 40 Mm. years to get to that point of being able to accept things Mm. for how they are as opposed to always wanting things to be the way they should be like that whole should thing and I do Mm. think a lot of overwhelm comes from the fact that like things are not the way they should be and I need to get them to the way that they should be and there's really no shoulds for how things are they just often are the way they are so I don't want to tell people to find acceptance for how things are because I know that how much work it took me to get to that point so yeah it's the the outsourcing the outsourcing of control wherever I can and the gaining of control where I can those are the things that like let me get through life to the point where I was actually able to go ah acceptance this is it is what it is I mean mean, I've been with my partner for 20 years or more than 20 years and he's been saying to me for 20 years Kel it is what it is it is what it is and Mm. I've not been able to take that on board until literally in the last year so it's funny you say you're you're like that's that's how I gain control but you know again a, a sense of control by by you know just accepting that it is what it is and what I'm hearing is I completely let go of control (laughs) yeah I know and it's that and that's just the hilarious thing about it all is people go but you're giving over control to somebody else how are you getting control out of that but it's it is a form of control because you're choosing to yeah because that's right and it's 
And that's a large part of what control is. It's feeling like you have a choice in the situation. And that's why a lot of us do feel overwhelmed because we feel like our choices have been taken away. And then when we're able to remind ourselves that, yeah, whatever we're doing right at this moment in time is more often than not a choice, other than in the very rarest of situations, yeah, that too reminds us that actually we're far more in control of the situation than we think we are. Thank you for listening to this episode of Let It Be. If you want to connect with Kelly or myself, you can find us on social media. Kelly is at Kelly Exeter on Twitter. And on Facebook, if you search for A Life Less Frantic, you will find her there. And on uh, Twitter, I'm at Brooke McCallery. And on Facebook, I'm at Slow Your Home. And uh, if you wanted to either reach out to us on Twitter, you can use hashtag Let It Be Pod. Or uh, head over to letitbe.fm and you can find our show notes and other information about the show. And finally, if you wanted or felt you know, the desire to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, that would be wonderful. And um, you know, we, we read them all and we appreciate you taking the time to listen and then uh, tell us what you think. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.